Welcome to the 49th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a recap of Patrick's weekend predictions and a deep dive into in every NBA playoff series. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And we'll start in the NBA where there were no predictions due to the unpredictable nature of the schedule uh, due to the NBA playoffs going on. So uh, Patrick didn't lose any games. He didn't get any games right in the NBA. So we'll move on to Major League Baseball where the Red Sox swept the Yankees for the first time, I believe, in 10 years at Yankee Stadium. Patrick correctly picked the Red Sox in that series. In the Astros versus the Blue Jays, the Astros won two out of three from the Jays. Patrick incorrectly picked the Jays to win that series. Dodgers were at the Braves, where the Braves took two out of three games from the Dodgers, with Patrick incorrectly picking the Dodgers. And finally, in the Rays versus Rangers series, the Rays took two out of three games from the Rangers, with Patrick correctly picking the Rays. So Patrick went two and two in his Major League Baseball predictions, and then two and two overall because there were no NBA predictions. That brings him to 131 and 92 overall, a 587 winning percentage. Patrick, what are your thoughts? Well, I want to start first with the Dodgers and the Braves. I don't like picking Dodgers series, and it's for the reason that you don't pick against the defending champions, especially if they're your favorite team. Even if you think slash know they're going to lose the series, uh, it just doesn't feel right. So I don't like picking the Dodgers for that reason, because even when I feel like they're going to lose, I still can't predict it because it feels wrong in my heart to do it. I try to avoid it as much as possible. But unfortunately this week, I had a plan to pick two series, and then I realized that they were four-game series, and I don't want the possibility of having a tied series, so I'd rather not predict four-game series, which were uh, the Padres against the Mets at home, I actually, so Mets against Padres, depending on how you want to say it, um, and then the Cubs at the Giants. So I wanted to predict both of those, uh, but I was not able to because they were four-game series, and instead I had to go with the Dodgers, and of course... Pick your favorite team. You get it wrong, obviously. Always how it's going to work, just because it's annoying like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, that series was probably the most uh, surprising, I would say, even with the Red Sox sweeping the Yankees. I guess you could say the degree to which they won was a little more surprising. But honestly, not really, based on how the Yankees have been playing recently. I mean, if a team gets swept by the Tigers, why would they not get swept by the Red Sox? Um, so that was actually not too surprising to me. Uh, but the Astros beating the Blue Jays, look, the Blue Jays just went to Buffalo for their first time at home in their in their AAA stadium. Hopefully they move back to Toronto soon. Maybe that was a little meet-me-halfway thing there, uh, and maybe they're climbing their way back. Um, we know that the NHL got approved for new protocols to actually play in the playoffs to play the American teams, so maybe the MLB can get something worked out with the NA- with with Canada itself. Uh, we'll see what happens there, but for now, the Blue Jays will now be in Buffalo instead of in, I forget the town, but it's a, a town in Florida. Dunedin? I, yes, I think so. I think so. I think the spring training um, site. Yeah, the spring training facilities. Um, but yeah, they lose that first series there. It's basically a road series for them, too. Um, the Astros have played there as much as they have this season. They both played three games, and then obviously in the Rays and the Rangers, so this is another series that I had to replace the Cubs, uh, the Cubs, Giants, and the Mets, Padres series with just because of that scheduling thing. Uh, th- this is not really much of a series, but again, I-, I had to pick it just because. And I would like to mention there were no ties in the two series. I don't believe the Cubs. I know lost the series against the Giants, and I believe actually the Mets might have tied the Padres. So 
Yes, yes, they did. And that's exactly why I didn't pick that series, because I knew that was a possibility, and I don't want ties in my predictions. So that's why I'm picking only three-game series, if, in case anybody's wondering why. Um, and that's also why those two series this weekend weren't on there. Uh, I would definitely much rather have that than the Dodgers, Braves, and Rays Rangers. Although, hey, the Braves series was not supposed to be competitive. It was a sub-500 team against the Dodgers, and they ended up winning. So and they ended it up can winning, be interesting. And they ended up winning against the Dodgers' number one and number two starters. Those exactly. are the two games they won, so it's a little unpredictable. Yep. All right, uh, anything else about your predictions? Otherwise, next weekend's predictions, as always, will be posted on our website on Thursday at 4thand24.com, and we will move off of your abbreviated predictions due to the NBA uh, being in playoff mode, so no predictions there. And instead, we will take a look at the NBA playoffs, starting with the end of the Eastern Conference first-round matchups, then moving on to Game 1 of the Conference semifinals. And then after that, we'll move on to the end of the first-round matchups in the West, so let's go back to the Eastern Conference playoffs and the series between the number one seeded Philadelphia 76ers and the number eight seeded Washington Wizards. Yeah, I think we both said this while we were we were watching actually Game Four during our last recording actually, which is pretty funny. Um, we both said Joel Embiid went down, and we both kind of said, "Yeah, Washington might win this game. It's pretty close. Whatever, whatever." They did end up winning Game Four, one twenty two, one fourteen. Even with Joel Embiid not playing in Game 5, Philadelphia still beat Washington by 17 points, 129 to 112. Um, I don't know who this reflects more on, whether it's Philadelphia or Washington, but based upon what we saw today, uh, which we'll get into later, but based upon what we saw today from the Sixers, I would say this says a lot about how bad the Wizards are and really how bad the bottom of the East is. And how maybe the play-in works in the West, but the East is not quite deep enough for that to work. Uh, that's a whole different conversation, though, so I won't really go into that. However, I would—I I mean, I would say this series—it was—it was entertaining, sort of, not really, but it, it was an okay series. Uh, but I—I I, I, there's not much to say about this one. I mean, Seth Curry scored 30 points in this game. If they can't hold Seth Curry, who were they going to hold in that series? Uh, probably the most guardable player out of Philly's starting five, excluding Danny Green. And they can't even stop him. So, I mean, look, if you can't stop Seth, Seth Curry, you definitely can't stop Steph, although they don't have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, well, Philly really made quick work of the series uh, outside of the one, outside of Game 4 where Joel was out. And, again, they still even won with him out in Game 5. It's just about... Game planning with him in the lineup versus game planning with him out of it. Uh, I think that happens a lot where we think, oh, this team lost and this guy went out in the middle of the game. That means they're going to lose the next game. Well, no, because now they're going to plan to do things without him. So it's going to work better. Uh, but yeah, Philly able to really, really easily win that series. All right, well, let's move on to number two, Brooklyn versus number seven, Boston. Yeah, this was another easy five-game uh, gentleman sweep here. Brooklyn won 123-109. Uh, again, not really too much to talk about in this game. It was kind of another game where I think we all knew who was going to win just based off of the fact that Boston had taken a game. I think we knew that it was the end of the road for Boston as soon as they had taken that one game. That, that was kind of all they were going to get. And James Harden finishes with a 34-point triple-double. Jason Tatum has 32 points, but not quite enough. Actually, 32-9-5. and five. He led them in points, rebounds, and, and in assists. But... And played 41 minutes at that, too. But 
it's not enough to just have Jason Tatum against a big three that's frankly one of the best big threes there's ever been and definitely the best there is this year. So you can't compete with that just with Jason Tatum and not even with not even with Kemba playing. Um, your next best option was Marcus Smart and Evan Fournier and Marcus Smart shot five for 17. Fournier shot eight for 17. Boston did not have much of a chance as soon as they kind of turned into, as I said, an infirmary after game three. Uh, they were just too injured. Even Robert Williams could have helped them out, but they didn't even have him. So instead they have Tristan Thompson. Look, Boston, we'll talk about this on a future podcast for sure. We'll definitely cover all the NBA uh, front office and coaching moves. But there's a reason they have to shake up their front office and their, co- and their coaching scheme after this year. It, it, it runs deeper than just the players um, not performing to their expectations and being injured all the time. So Boston really didn't have much of a chance, and definitely not in Brooklyn to take this game. And Brooklyn just put the series away like they needed to do. All right, and Brooklyn will uh, face the number three seeded Milwaukee Bucks, uh, who, as we spoke about in a previous podcast, swept the Miami Heat. Since we discussed that in detail, we will uh, not talk about that and instead move on to the number four seeded New York Knicks against the number five seeded Atlanta Hawks. The winner of that series faces number one seeded Philadelphia. Patrick? Uh, this series was the first one that I, that I actually had some hope could go a little bit longer than five games and maybe pique our interest, our collective interest as basketball fans for a little bit longer. Although Atlanta just went into MSG and just they, they just they just beat the they beat the Knicks. There's really nothing else to it. Um, very simply, 103-89, same margin that Brooklyn won by, pretty pretty close to what Philly won by. Looks like a dominant team. It looks like the Knicks just didn't have it, it, they're just not quite there yet. Um, I'm actually surprised that I'm not saying that about the Hawks, considering that they are much younger than the Knicks. But still, the Knicks are a relatively young team compared to the rest of the NBA. They're definitely not as old as a team like the Lakers. Obviously, you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. But the Knicks are still the Knicks still have some veterans. I think Derrick Rose really proved why, even after his multiple injuries, he's still he's still he's still a great great player in this league, and he'll be able to keep showing out for the next few years. Uh, Julius Randle had twenty three points, thirteen rebounds, but again. Sub-50% shooting, so not that great. He only got four free throws compared to Trey Young's 15 attempts, although he didn't go 15 for 15 and went 13 for 15, which is pretty good. Uh, And he did shoot 10 for 28, which is a pretty bad percentage. But again, who cares when you're scoring 36 points? And when you also have nine assists to four turnovers, you're taking over the game. It doesn't matter. Uh, Trey played really well throughout this entire series to get Atlanta that win. And again, in five games, I was very, very surprised. Um, I, I, I actually did think that the Knicks would win game five. I honestly believed that they would. I believed that they would have lost in game six, but I did think they'd be able to sneak a game in game five. I felt like it would be very close, but in, in my honest opinion, I felt there was a chance for them to win this game, and I thought they could. Um, I, I didn't think they were taking this to seven. That was more being hopeful. Because uh, I want to see more basketball. Because why would you want to see all sweeps in five-game series? Well, the reality is the East has three really, 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 really good teams that are star-studded. And then whoever else came out of it was just going to be, can this team be scrappy enough to try, to try to punch above their weight a little bit? Which, as we will talk about in a second, the Hawks actually did find a way to do. 
Yeah, they found a way to do it in the series uh, as the five seed advancing as the lower seed, earning the right to play the Philadelphia 76ers, as we mentioned, number one seed versus number five in the conference semifinals. Patrick, let's talk about how that series kicked off. Atlanta beat Philadelphia in Philly 128-124. Uh, Trey Young had 35 points, this time on a lot more efficient than 10 for 28. He shot 11 for 23 from the field. He also had 10 assists in this game. Uh and Joel Embiid played pretty well, too. He had 39 on 12 of 21 shooting. Uh, but, look, it, in the end, it was not enough. Atlanta had a huge lead uh, very late in this game. They were up 114.99 even with five minutes left in the game and still actually only won by four, which was very, very surprising. They were up by 16 going into the fourth quarter. And, again, they held that lead pretty steady for the whole quarter. And then all of a sudden, uh, Philly just climbed back into the game and brought it all the way to a two-point game. And then Atlanta made two free throws to ice the game game over after that. But look, I was actually really surprised Philly found a way back into this game. Early in this game, especially at halftime, it looked like it was just over. I mean, they were down 20 points at the half. It looked like the, it looked like the game was... Definitely over. Atlanta was up seventy-four to fifty-four, and it just it just looked ugly. Um, the Sixers did not play well. They played with really a, a pretty big lack of effort, to be quite honest. Sloppy, tons uh, of turnovers. There a, a lot of turnovers. Uh, Joel and some silly fouls too. Uh, Joel Embiid was playing really really well, but overall as a team, there was there were a few lapses, and in the end. The Hawks offensively are too good to have a bunch of lapses on defense against. And in the first half, it looks like Trey Young was just going to score like 60 points in this game. Um, frankly, I'm surprised he only ended up with 35. But I think there was a point in this game where he was, I want to say, 6 for 8 with 18 points somewhere in the second quarter. And it looked like, uh-oh, this is going to get out of hand here. I don't exactly know what Philly did to kind of change that. I'd, I'd have to go back and watch it again. But... Philly, I guess they kind of turned it around in the second half. Um, overall, they didn't play too bad. Ben Simmons was 7-for-7 seven seven from the floor. Tobias Harris was 8-for-13 with 20 points. Seth Curry was 7-for-12 with 21 points. These are efficient numbers. They shot 55% from the floor, but they also allowed the Hawks to shoot 42.6% from three on 20-47 shooting. And they, I mean, and Philly was 10-for-29. So even while shooting 3% better from the field... When you do that from the free th from the three point line against a team that loves to shoot threes, you're gonna lose. Yep. Uh, they also shot 68 percent from the free throw line to Atlanta's 20 of 21, which is 95.2 percent. Yep. It is very hard to win a game against a team shooting 43 percent from three and 95 percent from the free throw line, and you had a 20 point and a half time deficit, and Philly almost did it. So. I'm not that concerned long-term, to be quite honest with Philly. Um, but I think there is a legitimate chance they could lose the series. I'm not saying this is a done deal. I definitely don't think they will, but it is not a done deal. And especially when you got a guy like Trey Young on the other side. And look, Joel Embiid, frankly, he's, got, he's had some injury issues in the past. He's gone down in big moments. Frankly, their whole team has had injury issues in the past. So I wouldn't be very surprised if an injury kind of akin to what happened to AD with the Lakers kind of derails their whole run. Um, and then Trey Young just takes over the series. I would not be surprised. And as a matter of fact, 
Um, DeAndre Hunter didn't even start in this game. The Hawks started Solomon Hill, and that still worked out for them. So they're not even at full strength, and they already won game one on the road. So look, this will be a very close series, I think. At least I hope it is. Um, I really hope Philly doesn't just come back and prove me wrong and just win four games in a row. I mean, it obviously make my series prediction correct, but I think this one will be close. Yep, this uh, this series, like a lot of series of the postseason, impacted by injuries, uncertainty due to injuries. I think if you told people that uh, Atlanta, going into this game, when people didn't know whether Embiid was going to play or not, that Atlanta won by four points, they're like, okay, Embiid didn't play. But the fact that he did play and Atlanta still hung on for the victories. And frankly, they were up by a lot more and could have won, but it could, they could have made it really, yeah. really ugly. So the question, so I think the questions for this series are, how does Embiid's health hold up? And was it a wake-up call? For Philly and the Philly that woke up and showed up at the end of the game, if they can maintain that intensity and not play that sloppy through the rest of the series. And sometimes that happens. Well, I also think another thing you can point to is exactly what happened to them in game four against Washington, where they were in that game until the end, even with Embiid out. And then they kind of let it slip away at the end and they lost by eight, but they were really, they were really in it until the last two, three possessions, at least the last minute, minute and a half. And then all of a sudden they come back in game five. Joel Embiid's not there, but they win by 17. Yep. So they they are good enough to bounce back. I would attribute that to coaching. And I think Doc Rivers is probably pretty good at telling teams how to rebound. Um, so I, I see it with Philly that they have a good enough coaching staff. They have definitely good enough players. They are the more talented team in the series. Unlike the Knicks, I would argue, maybe the Hawks had more talent than the Knicks. Definitely more offensive talent. Um so I think Philly has a, has a very easy avenue back into the series, although I don't know how it's going to go for them. I think it's going to be really close. I have my doubts about both teams. But overall, I'm okay with Philly. I think, I think they'll find a way to rebound. All right, well, let's move to the what some thought would be the more compelling matchup. Uh, number two, Brooklyn Nets versus number three, Milwaukee Bucks. The series has had one game. And Brooklyn won the first game 115 to 107. Uh Although the most important thing was probably not the score of the game, it was that James Harden went down with a hamstring injury. What a shock. Another star goes down in the NBA playoffs. Well, I would say also, if you're talking about the Nets, this is exactly what we were talking about. Frankly, my championship prediction with the Lakers rested on the health of AD's ankle, and that didn't turn out, or or AD in general, that didn't turn out well. Um, And look, most people have been saying the Nets, but I've been saying the reason why I have the Lakers is because the Nets have just as many injury issues. And here it is creeping back in. Now James Harden's injured. So, again... Hamstring injury, right? Yeah. And again, they did win this game, which is actually pretty crazy to me because they could have definitely lost right after he went out. Giannis shot 16 of 24 from the floor, and, they, and James Harden went out in the middle of the game, and they still won by 8 with a 14-point lead going in the fourth quarter. That looks really, really scary for anybody else playing them in the future because this is nowhere near as good as they can play. Although I will say, I don't know how many more times we're going to see Blake Griffin going eighteen and going for 18 and 14 on four of nine shooting from three. Um, that's probably not going to happen too, mu- too many more times. But look, Kevin Durant had 29 and 10. Uh, they, got, they got a lot of production out of their whole roster. Um, and I think... It just goes to show you that the Nets aren't just the big three because Harris and Griffin came through with 19 and 18 in a game where Harden has zero after leaving the game with one minute. After one minute, you only have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, Joe Harris, and Blake Griffin in double figures in the game. Uh, 
excluding Mike James, and that is just, look, that's just showing you that these guys can fill in, because frankly, I had to, the reason why I started there is because I'm looking at my phone, and I don't know who M. James is, I've never heard of this guy before, I'm not going to be yelling, I'm not going to lie to you guys, um, I just had to look that up, because again, it's just the guys filling in, that they're just plugging in when these guys get injured, they keep filling in, whether it's Tyler Johnson, whether it's Landry Shamit, it can be anybody on this roster, they find a way to make it work. Uh, and especially when you have at least two of those stars on the floor, you can make any game winnable. Uh, again, even without James Harden, they still are probably more talented than Milwaukee, at least in the starting five. And and as you pointed out, and we talked about on earlier podcasts earlier in the year, they're used to playing without all of their players. And so probably and isn't as big of a deal. to play, Durant and Irving are the ones with the most synergy. So I, I think this is also fun because these are the guys who had the full offseason to practice together and also scheme together to make the move to Brooklyn in the first place, whereas Harden was an afterthought in a trade in the middle yep. of the season. So he, they have the most existing chemistry. Uh, Joe Harris has always been there the whole time. But, yeah, Blake Griffin and, and Harden both came in in the middle of the season. Uh, Griffin much, 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 much later. But, look, they seem to be clicking pretty well, uh, and I think they're going to keep it up. I obviously have Brooklyn in the series. I thought about picking Milwaukee, but I, I just see Kevin Durant, James, uh, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, and it's just... It's kind of hard to pick against that. Agreed. Shall we move to the West? Yep. All right. Well, the uh, series involving the number one seeded Utah Jazz and the number eight Memphis Grizzlies, five-game series. Patrick, how'd this turn out? Yep. Utah won the final two games. That was the, This was the only series out, uh, outside of the Eastern Conference series that I said, okay, this one I'm not even hoping to go seven games because I know it's not going to. Uh, yeah. Utah closed out the series 120 to 113 and then 126 to 110 at home. Uh, in Game 5, I thought Utah sent a bigger message than was actually possible to send in Game 5. Uh, I don't know how much, how, how closely you paid attention to that game, but uh, probably because it was kind of a foregone conclusion who would win. I don't blame you for not watching it if you didn't. But after Game 4, it, was, it, it felt like Memphis stayed close, and they frankly almost tied the series. They only lost by 7, right? But I feel like Utah came out in Game 5, and they said, we're on our home court. We don't lose here at all. I think they had a 24-game winning streak there earlier this season, so it, it's true they really don't lose at home. Uh, when Donovan Mitchell plays. Yeah, let, let's not let's not lose a game. Like, they just kind of came out and realized we have the opportunity right on the silver platter for us at home, game five. We have three games to go after this. Let's just go and get it done right now. Uh, and that's exactly what they did. A very commanding win, and frankly... I don't even think that game was as close as the score indicates. I think it was a lot. I think they had a bigger lead than 16 pretty late into the game. And I know the Grizzlies made a few shots at the end of the game to make it a little bit more respectable. But th there was a point where this game was pretty much out of hand. I mean, it was 106 to 78 at one point. So to end up at 126, 110, Memphis definitely did bring it closer at the end of the game. But this one, if you want to if you want to look at a good example of it, look at the game flow on ESPN. The gap in between the two scores is really, really large. Um, it was pretty obvious that Utah was going to win pretty much into the second quarter where they had a 47-27 to 27 lead at the end of the first quarter, which I'm not quite sure, but that's got to be some sort of franchise record for the Jazz in a, in a quarter, probably in the first quarter for sure. 47 points in a quarter is pretty ridiculous. And again, this is what I'm saying. They sent an absolute message that they are here to play, and they want to end that series early, and that is exactly what they did. All right. Well, the series, uh, the series that ended a little later, 
Didn't go to seven, but more than five. Uh, number two, Phoenix Suns versus the number seven defending world champion Los Angeles Lakers. Yep, so Phoenix wins this series as soon as Anthony Davis's ankle... Uh, not his ankle. I keep saying his ankle because LeBron has the ankle injury, but it was not an ankle injury, I don't believe, for Anthony Davis. I think it was a um, groin injury? Yes, it was a groin injury. So AD leaves game two... Uh, or game two. <laughs> game five, very, very early in the game, and then... Or game four, actually, he left, and then game five he did not play. Game six, as I meant, as I met, meant, uh, he left early in game six. After tried to play, could tried play. to play, and and got had one play where he jumped up to try to block a shot, and the second he landed, he had I guess jumped too high. I mean, I, if you can't jump that high in your injuries that bad, he wasn't going to stay in that game very long to begin with. Uh, so I don't really think that was like a the straw that broke the camel's back kind of a play. I feel like he was gonna. It might have probably worked in his favor. It didn't look like he had much in him. He tried to gut um, it out and realized yeah, he could. Yeah, it did not work out. But he really, he tried to play for his team. But look, Game 5 pretty much ended the series. As soon as we knew that AD was not only out for that game, but looking questionable for games beyond, he had to be at least 90% healthy for them to come back in the series after Phoenix had won by 30 points. And not only that... But the Lakers seem to get worse at guarding Devin Booker as the series went on, and I don't know how that's possible. But, look, the facts are the facts. He scored 47 points on 15 of 22 shooting in Game 6, in the final game of the series. When you need to play against him, well, that's the time that you play against him the worst. It's not going to turn and out And at well the beginning of the game, he just torched him. The game was basically over. The game was looked like it was over in the first quarter. They actually made it pretty much... They kind of made a game of it, actually. Um, Lakers got it close late. They, they did a good job of making a game of it, but the defending champion shouldn't be about making a game of it. They should be about winning the game and making sure that the other team can't make a game of it. But look, Phoenix blew the Lakers out in Game 5. Uh, 115-85, I never said the actual score, and then 113-100 in Game 6. Phoenix pretty much ended this really, really, when they had the opportunity, they were given the opportunity when Anthony Davis got got injured, and they took the opportunity right into their hands and won the series. Uh, very similar to what I guess could happen in the Brooklyn series, where the injury kind of turns the series on, on its head. It's possible, uh, although I would say Talon is a little different there. Lakers pretty much have a big two, and Brooklyn has a big three. Uh, but... Again, uh, this series, it's really shocking. I'm struggling to find words to talk about it because it was a little shocking that the Lakers went out. I mean, look, LeBron was 14-0 in the first round up until this point. It is not, not only is it not rare, it's never happened, not only is it rare, it's never happened before to see LeBron lose in the first round. Uh, So, it was shocking, but then again, as soon as I saw AD go down and not play in Game 5, I had the feeling... This might tilt in Phoenix's favor, just like after Chris Paul got injured and wasn't playing a lot of minutes. It looked like the Lakers were going to easily take the series until AD's injury. Yeah, I think we all got fooled by that. We, uh, I changed my prediction of the series once I saw Chris Paul was hurt and thought that Davis at, and both Davis and LeBron were. It seemed like the healthy. second you changed his prediction, his shoulder just magically got healed. Yeah, should have kept the prediction. <laughs> Stuck with the original one. All right, let's move on to the other series in the West, well, in all of the NBA that went to six games. Number three, Denver Nuggets versus the number six, Portland Trailblazers. I'm going to go through this really quickly, game by game, game wise, and then go on to talk about Damian Lillard. Um, Denver won the Denver won game five, one forty seven to one forty in double overtime. Denver won game six, one twenty six to one fifteen. Uh, there were some 
there was one crucial call and out of bounds call that went against Portland, and it felt like everything just got out of their out of their out of hand after that because I felt like they were hunting for fouls a little bit because they felt like they needed to be vindicated for for the refs uh, screwing them over. You could say that's at least what they probably thought about in game five. Yes, in no in game six. Oh, game six. Uh, and I believe that it was it was two point game. They gave the out of bounds right. call to Denver, and then they asked for a review that maybe might have been ill advised, uh, and then yeah. I think after that, it just it, it just felt like it was over after they had gotten Denver had ballooned that lead to eight points and it was just over from there. Uh, that I want to go back to game five though. Yeah. Damian Lillard had arguably the best playoff performance of all time. Um, he played. I fifty two minutes is just. I mean, I don't even think he, if you put that on a stat sheet, if he did that in the regular season more than once, he might average more than playing a whole game at once. Throughout the whole season, he ended up with 55 points and 10 assists with one turnover in 52 minutes of game time on 17 of 24 shooting, 9 of 10 from the free throw line, and he also shot 12 of 17 from the three-point line, which was also a playoff record for most three-pointers made in a game all-time previously set by Clay Thompson. And they were spectacular threes, most of them, in clutch situations. I mean, it was unbelievable. And two of them extended the game. Yes, yeah. one of them was to send the game into overtime, and one of the game, and one of them sent the game into double overtime. Uh, look, Dame was unstoppable, and yet his whole, the rest of his team just found a way to mess up one of the best performances of all time. Uh, again, he shot seventeen of twenty-four, and somehow the team overall shot forty-five percent from the field. He shot 12 of 17 from three, and the team as a whole shot 21 of 48 from three. So basically everybody outside of him could not make a shot. It was pr- It's as simple as that. In the first overtime, he, I think, scored nine or 11 points or something like that and pretty much scored everything. After the first two minutes, he just took the ball and just could not stop scoring. In the second overtime, he gave it up a little bit. The second he made a pass, C.J. McCollum stepped out of bounds, game over. Uh, look. I'm not blaming C.J. McCollum. He played well throughout the series. He showed up. But I will say, somebody needed to help Dame. And frankly, uh, we'll talk about who gets eliminated uh, in the last series of the West in a second. But some people might need to try to team up in today's NBA after we see Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. We might have to see Dame and another young up-and-coming star. Yeah, and when he, when he maybe had tired legs in Game 6 and wasn't able to single-handedly carry the team... They, they didn't have a chance of yeah. winning. And, I mean, especially because at the end of the game, they didn't have a guy to run the play to because that all season long, it was just uh, find a way to get the ball to Dame and just figure it out. Uh, I would like to mention also, Michael Porter Jr. had 26 points on 10 of 14 shooting at the half in that game. He went over 5 in the second half, but he really had them in that game, in game 6. And then Nikola Jokic ended up with 36, 8, and 6 to close it out. Look, he got really overshadowed by Dame, but he... Actually, I take that back. He did not get overshadowed by Dame, but it really feels like we're talking about it in that way just because Dame's performances were otherworldly. Nikola Jokic has been playing extremely well, and if anything, if the playoff... If the, if the MVP was voted on after the playoffs, he would be running away with it right now. And I think he already did run away with it in the regular season, but his... If this adds to the allure of his season at any at any rate, it definitely does. It 100% does. He has played so well in the playoffs, 
and we'll see if he can carry it on in against Phoenix. All right. Well, so you've previewed the uh, Phoenix uh, Portland matchup. Who? Phoenix Denver. Sorry, Phoenix Denver. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Phoenix Denver matchup. And so the mystery was going to be who was going to play Utah, who was going to win that four versus five matchup between the Clippers and the Mavericks. What happened? Well, every team, every team that was on the road won every single game in the series until the one game that mattered went to the home team. Uh, Dallas won game five uh, on the road, 105-100. The Clippers won game six, 104-97. And then the Clippers won game seven, 126-111. Now, the, the mystery player I was talking about that we might need to see team up with someone, look, Luca and Dame need to just get together because I'm tired of seeing those two struggle on their own while LeBron has Anthony Davis to help him, Kevin Durant in the past had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, uh, and now has and now has Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Look, these two need to team up. They just need to help each other out. I would love to see if one of the franchises, maybe because I, I got to be honest, Portland has stayed in it for a while, but at some point uh, there's a there's a good comparison for it, but I forget who it is. You just got to tear things down when you know you just can't win a title. But you're, you're right there in the playoffs every single year, and everybody respects you, and you're, you're competitive. But at some point, you're never going to win a title if you lock yourself into we're okay with exiting in the first round after a great regular season every single year. Because in reality, you never get better draft picks, and you never get better. It is OKC who's doing exactly that. And as I always joke about, they own the draft now. So maybe Portland needs to do something similar to that. They could maybe try to ask Dallas if they want to trade uh, I'm literally just throwing this idea out here because I feel bad for both Dame and Luca. Um, but look, l- let's go. Let's let's look at this. Luca Doncic shot 17 for 30 today with 46, 14, and seven, and his team lost by 15 points. That has got to be so upsetting if you're Luca. I mean, you can't blame your teammates because they're your teammates, but at the same time, somebody's got to help that man out. Like. He was one point shy of a Game 7 record all-time in the NBA, and their team lost by 15 points. Even though Paul George, the Clippers' second-best player, shot 5 for 15 from the floor. Look, if that if you tell me Luka, sco- Luka goes for 46, 14, and 7, and Paul George goes 5 for 15 in Game 7, I'd say, oh, Dallas must have won by like 10 unless Kawhi scored 50. Kawhi did not even score 30 points today, and Dallas still lost by 15. He needs some help. I don't know who it's going to be, but he needs some other help. Uh, Porzingis... Well, he's going to have a new coach. Really? Yeah. Did they announce that? No, no. Dame Lillard, I said, is going to have a oh, new coach. So maybe... Well, we're talking You're about... You're talking about Luca. Oh, getting yeah. Luca some help? Yeah. Oh, no. Luka no, I don't, I, no, not Rick Carlisle. He's a, I don't think he's going Luka anywhere. Luca needs some help. Sorry, I thought um, you were still talking about... Although, I would say Terry Sotsfire was honestly a little bit surprising, yeah. too. Uh, yeah. Definitely a lot more surprising than Brad Stevens uh, not being the coach of the Celtics anymore. But again, we'll talk about coaching and stuff on a different podcast. Sorry, I'm getting ahead. Of uh, yeah, you are getting ahead. But uh, yeah, look, I could go on and on about why about why Luca needs help and why Dame needs more help. But it is it is kind of interesting to see these guys kind of operate on their own. And maybe Luca doesn't want help because he wants to be like Dirk, his role model, and kind of do it on his own. Well, Porzingis but in was this su- NBA, this is not. Porzingis was supposed to be the help, right? Yeah, and it's just not working out. Um, and frankly, it reminds me, speaking of Oklahoma City, as I said before, it reminds me of when the Thunder got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony to help out Russell Westbrook, and in the end, he scores 40, 40 to 50 points. I forget what it was because it was about three years ago now. 
in Utah, and they lose Game 6 because Paul George and Carmelo Anthony combined for, I think, it was some historic bad. I don't want to go really, I don't want to go off flaming them uh, when it's when it wasn't as bad, but I believe they scored like 10 points combined on 20% shooting or something like that. And look, sometimes, and then by the way, what did Russell Westbrook do? Well, they traded Paul George because Paul George wanted to go to LA, and then Russell Westbrook went to Houston because James Harden wanted more help. So at some point, we're going to get to the point where Luka and Dame might want to exchange help uh, somewhere. I don't know who they're going to get, but they might have to get to that point at some point because look, Luka is really a cornerstone franchise player. And look at Trey Young, drafted in the same year, actually traded for Luka between Dallas and Atlanta. And all of a sudden, you put him with what he needs around him, a bunch of other shooters and bigs that can space the floor. And all of a sudden, they're taking game, they're there in the second round after winning five game, in a five game series, by the way, as the number five seed. Oh my God, it's the same exact seed. A little easier matchup. A little but... easier matchup, granted. But I would also say, look. They are in the same position, and they already took game one off of a one seed. Uh, and Trey has a lot of help going with him, and they, and they again, they spent big money to get Bogdan Bogdanovich. They even got Rajon Rondo. They traded him. They got Lou Will in the trade for Rajon Rondo. Look, they made a lot of moves to get, Trey, to get Trey some help around him, and now it's paying off. Dallas should start to do the same. All right. Well, uh, we can talk, like you said, about those offseason maneuvers after the NBA playoffs are over, but... We're now on to the second round. Uh, We will be talking about that in a future podcast as this wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, our 50th podcast coming up on Friday, June 11th, where we'll talk about Major League Baseball and other significant events in the world of sports. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including tomorrow's NBA Power Rankings update. And also our series predictions for the second for the conference semifinals on our website. We did not do that on the podcast because we would have to do them on two separate ones based off of this Clippers thing. So I posted them and then I updated them today now after uh, the Clippers game. So they are all up for every single series now. And you can see who we think is going to win and in how many games. Spoiler alert, we think the same teams are going to win. Oh, what? You changed? I thought you thought we were doing something different. Oh, oh, unless you had Phoenix. Unless you had Phoenix, or I had Denver. I forget who. I thought we had at least one different. We might have had Phoenix and Denver different. Yeah, you might be right about that. You yeah, I don't, right I don't think that. we picked the same. I think you we, we want right to at that. least have some we bragging. We have one different. We have some bragging rights on the line. On the line. <laughs> In any event, uh, yes, our, our predictions for the next round of the playoffs um, are up on the website already. Tomorrow, Patrick's NBA Power Rankings update will be there. Uh, his picks for next weekend's games will be on Thursday, and his Major League Baseball Power Rankings updates are posted on Saturdays. All of those on the website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.